Welcome to Founder Fridays on Evolve, a podcast about social entrepreneurs changing the world. I'm your host, Brandon Stover, and today I'm here with founder Rob Gerling. If you're new to the show, occasionally on Fridays, we feature inspiring founders from our very own Evolve community. The rest of the week, we have long-form interviews with a variety of social impact founders, visionary leaders, and social enterprise experts as they share how they built startups that are solving the world's greatest challenges. Now, today's featured founder is Rob Gerling, co-founder and CEO of Artifact, which is an award-winning responsible strategy and design firm, which helps leaders harness the power of design to make change and do good. Rob, go ahead and introduce yourself and your expertise in human-centered design. Yeah, hi, I'm Rob Gerling. I'm co-founder and current CEO of Artifact. We're a, a strategy and design consultancy in Seattle. And we help our clients basically think about responsible innovation through the lens of design in designing new products, mostly services. And we're talking about digital products and services primarily. That's what we do. We've been around 14 years and we're, we're hiring. We're growing. Nice. Nice. Well, what makes you so passionate about the work that you do? Why do you get up every day and go to work and do it? Well, so we've, we've been working for the last four years on something which is really a kind of an evolution of this human-centered design. I don't know how familiar you are with that, but but the the idea that design thinking started was that, you know, if we get to know our end users or our customers, really understand their motivations, we can do a better job of designing various products and services for them. And that, mm-hmm. this idea has been out there in the design industry world for a good 15, 20 years now and has become very important. What we're looking at is an evolution of that, really, which is to say that just focusing on end users isn't sufficient in, in our modern complex society. And as we go forward, think about the kind of future we want. We have to think more systemically about the impact we're having with particularly digital products and services. We've seen the impact of social media and its disruptive kind of echoes in the world. And that's just one example of many of the downsides of our kind of technological innovation. And I think the time is right now. And what gets me excited every day is getting up and thinking about how can we do this better? How can we do responsible innovation more responsibly? How can we kind of mitigate some of the downside impacts, foresee them before implementation, include a more diverse group of stakeholders in the design of and research going into new products and services such that we don't create the kinds of nightmares that we've seen play out over the last five years with you know social media and many other examples of kind of how tech has kind of often got this kind of dark dark kind of side effect which whilst it may Anyway, that, that's what gets me excited every day. Responsible design is still emerging as a concept and pushing a boulder up a mountain, trying to get our head around how to do it better. How do we work with other disciplines, include different kinds of voices in the process of designing? Can you elaborate just uh, a little bit on the dark side of the technology and how big of a problem it is just for our listeners to kind of get a clear picture of it? If we look at social media as everybody's favorite example here, we look at some of the downside consequences of uh, how truth and polarization and addiction and all of the kind of consequences of 
these various new platforms that have emerged over the last you know 10 years we're really starting starting to understand and get our head around these tools uh, and their business models are extractive in and not particularly helpful to society in in yes at a superficial level they help us connect uh, to people with like minds, but the consequences of that are that we get extreme polarization and right. disinformation and amplification of people who have bad intentions. And we are now living in a very polarized, upsetting kind of environment where the truth is no longer discernible, you know, large swaths of our population. And this is a global problem. So, and, and technology design, technology, technologists are implicated heavily in this. And the media has played a good role in you know, over the last five years in really trying to hold these tech companies uh, to account. And we've really seen this, you know, come to a head in the last year, obviously, but it's been really an issue for many years. And we've been very concerned trying trying to do our part to work with our clients to just try and get ahead of these things right. and, you know, use a combination of different techniques and and a wide range of disciplines to try and kind of tackle these complicated issues. I mean, it, it's definitely reached a fever pitch. And if you're unaware, I, I mean, I'm absolutely happy to share lots of resources about the uh, kind of extent of the damage that some of our uh, tech is doing. Hmm. I will say that, I mean, you know, when you invent, as the, as the old saying goes, when you invent the airplane, you invent the plane crash. <laughs> yeah. Like all tech, all tech innovation has this kind of consequential impact that sometimes you can foresee. You you can foresee things like plane crashes if you're inventing an aircraft, and sometimes they're much harder to see. And some of the side effects or consequences or impact that social media has had was quite difficult to pre have predicted. So it's not always as deterministic as as we'd like to believe. It, the world is a complex place. And exactly how things will play out are, is, is very hard to, to predict, but we can do a better job. And there's good reasons to believe design can play an important role in kind of bringing the right issues in problem solving and bringing the right stakeholders together to, to, to really make a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the internet and technology, especially the technology we have nowadays, is such a recent experiment that we can't even yet foresee all of the implications that it will have. We're just starting to see some of it that's come about, but I think we still have so much more to learn about it as we keep developing it rapidly, even faster and faster every day. It's kind of a crazy experiment considering the breadth of the impact it's having on the world. It's, it's a little bit crazy, like that we aren't a little bit more in control. Right. Of, of what's happening here and government plays should play a role here in terms of properly you know providing the guardrails for these organizations to not do the kind of damage they're doing but you know they've been kind of AWOL as a legislative function for a while and although California and various you know states are, are, are and Europe are, are doing a great job to try and establish some ground rules, uh, some new ground rules for certainly social media. Yeah. Well, let's talk about some of your design solutions. I was first turned on to your company by the most likely machine, but when I went there, I seen you had 
lots of different things around human-centered design and trying to create better technology. So share some of the solutions that you guys have created. Yeah, well, the most likely machine was an internal project. So that's work we do sometimes to put our point of view out into the world or just sort of like to exercise our creative uh, muscle. And what that project was about was helping teenagers understand how algorithms are, have become kind of so determine, deterministic of our future and to mm. how and, and, the, and the unseen problem there is how biased algorithms are. They're really algorithms are often just a reflection of the creator's kind of biases in some ways. Even in machine learning, as we all know, that the data set that trains the algorithms and that informs machine learning decision-making, either prediction or classification, is often flawed by virtue of the training data set. So, right. the, so for example, you know, if you're a person of color and the training set was predominantly photographs of white people, then it does a bad job of understanding people of color. Right? Yeah. It, won't, it won't classify them correctly and so forth. So just trying to capture the complexity of how algorithms are reinforcing bias in our society was what we tried to do with that project. So what it does is basically allows kids to become a kind of algorithm hmm. and, and train and see their own biases play out as they, as they classify uh, a few things. And so it's a fun little tool. It was designed sort of as a discrete little app and you can, you can go uh, play with that on our, off our website. And uh, I encourage people to, to see it. We've actually had some really great response from teachers. We, we developed it with teachers in mind as a specific users to help, you know, as a, as a sort of classroom tool to help them, you know, have, have some resources to sort of teach algorithmic bias. Yeah, I think that's amazing at being able to bring awareness to those kids about their own biases, because that's exactly, you know, we're programming this technology to magnify whatever we have as a belief or a value and whatnot, and putting it into this and spreading it across the world. So we have to catch it at ourselves first before we start putting it in the technology. Yeah, that's right. And our work is typically, we work with two, two different kinds of clients. There's kind of the tech companies. We actually do engage with quite a lot of large tech companies to develop next generation products, including startups. We've been working with a startup, which I can't name, unfortunately, but their, their specific mandate is to try and help business entrepreneurs, BIPOC, you know, Black, Indigenous, people of color, entrepreneurs get funding. So there's a kind of uh, community business orientation to this startup, and they're trying to help those entrepreneurs create a network of shared resources that can help them be successful. So, I mean, that's a kind of another example of us trying to just do things responsibly. There's So there's those kinds of companies uh, that are, I guess, oriented to try and do good by mission or purpose. And then there is... Philanthropy. We do quite a lot of work with large philanthropic organizations, including World Bank, for example. We're working with them, the Gates Foundation, and other foundations. And and then there's the sort of tech core, which is they're less inclined to think of themselves as doing good mm-hmm. or having good in, good out. You know, the, their mission isn't necessarily aligned to doing good in the world. But we're trying to bring that kind of mission into how they design, at least, such yeah. that they can have positive impact. 
How much have you seen companies moving towards this human-centered design approach and adopting this as it you know becomes more and more prevalent? Well, it's kind of an exciting time in that respect. I, I think 2019, pre-COVID, the business roundtable in the U.S. got you know 180 odd CEOs to sign a declaration about them, how corporate purpose is changing and how they should be. Uh, responsible, they, they called it stakeholder capitalism. And the, there isn't a really good shared definition of what that means. <laughs> yeah. But basically, as opposed to shareholder capitalism, which was really the, the previous world we've been in for most of our lives, which was predominantly oriented to short-term benefits for equity holders. A stakeholder capitalism really looks at a broader set of impact about how employees and vendors and community are impacted by the activities of a corporation. And what all of these CEOs declared was that they're going to now start prioritizing that as their mandate. Hmm. Now, this is this seems it could be that this is all, you know, uh, some kind of washing, blue washing, green washing, whatever you want to call it, to make the reputations of these organizations more squeaky clean. Right. If, if we're cynical, I think we, we can see that. But the historically, this is actually a big significant change. And the discourse at like the World Economic Forum and various centers of power in, in the capitalist system, I guess, are really changing the tune about the impact of corporations in the future and what they want to do. Now, so this is a significant change. And I, I do see what designers are doing as being complementary to this. Like we're trying to do things more responsibly, trying to bring different stakeholders together to do what we do differently um, hmm. at, at an innovation level. Yeah, I think it's an important time because even like when we started thinking about sustainability, companies would often be doing campaigns where they're just greenwashing, saying that they're doing something, but not actually doing it. Yeah. Although that, that at that time that, you know, wasn't that great. It has pushed them to start doing better practices because we're being incentivized by the public and by customers that they want these sorts of things. So I feel like it's the same type of movement now where yes, maybe they're not fully embracing it, but they're going to have to start to do that because uh, they're being demanded of it by the customers and users of these products. Yeah. And I, I think we're seeing generational dynamics play out too. Certainly Black Lives Matter and and this, what's going on currently with Amazon and uni, the creation of unions. Mm -hmm. These are these are attempts to, I think, shift the, put pressure on the C-suite in large tech and large corporate to see that employees' rights the impact that organizations are having on the environment, the impact they're having on communities in terms of inequities that they're creating in terms of you know home prices and the sort of wealth creation, disproportionate, you know, inequitable wealth creation. All of these things are are like sort of negatively reflecting on these organizations, and they they really do have to start taking this stuff seriously and. Another great example is BlackRock, the investment group, which, you know, was responsible for six or seven trillion dollars of investment in the stock market. I mean, their leader has been repeatedly saying for years that organizations need to start thinking more broadly about their impact and 
be held accountable and they will stop investing in organizations that, that don't adhere to some set of set of beliefs and that are fairly progressive from a from a kind of you know looking from the perspective of traditional corporate America certainly what do you see the growth opportunity for this in the next 10 20 years for responsible innovation yes yeah well I I hope I mean this is this is all bound up in a set of beliefs I have about the world that over time society tends to try to correct its its kind of excessively bad outcomes. And sure. we are part of some slow but corrective fixing that has gone on. I've been around 30 years in the in this sort of around the tech industry. Up until about 2015, it was kind of the gold rush days. It was hmm. kind of a giddy, like let's just invent the future. tech will save everything. And <laughs> you know, and, and it was just like a, a kind of giddy time to be a designer. We were designing so crazy things that were kind of, in hindsight, kind of irresponsible and not terribly well thought through. We just sort of imagined the world would continue to just, you know, down that sort of path. And I think since about 2015, when we sort of started to sort of see the impact of these things negatively in the world, we we changed our tune to be like, wow, this could really end up badly. <laughs> and we we're on a path here that's really not that good. And wow, do we really want that kind of outcome in the future? Do we really want that kind of future? And you just sort of do a little bit of extra, you know, extrapolation out into the future and you kind of just like, this could really go badly. And I'm, I'm, for example, really worried about automation and joblessness and wealth inequity and sustainability of, of our current kind of systems. And, and we really have to try to do what we can now to to sort of fix that. I do believe that people are waking up to this, but like are increasingly engaged in trying to be part of the solution. And mm. I mean, we saw like certainly around Black Lives Matter, for example, as a as a just a sort of a tipping point moment for the kind of zeitgeist to change around like inclusion. Like, yeah, we just got to do this differently. God damn it, we're <laughs> sick and tired of like we're not. You know, we're not able to fix these things without deliberate effort. So I think we're on the cusp of some real significant change. I think COVID is an accelerant for that change, meaning I think we're just going to come out the other end of this kind of like questioning a lot of things that mm -hmm. previously just seemed intractable or just like take we took for granted. And I think growing awareness of climate change and the urgency we have around that is just another kind of level. So I'm, I'm very optimistic that we will fix a lot of the kind of excessive negativity that's been created through the tech, certainly, and through bad design in the last you know, decade or so. But it'll take, it'll take a while to fix. I mean, it's not, these are not simple things to just correct. Right, yeah. What's been the biggest struggle for you as a founder or as a designer right now in your company? Biggest struggle. So we've been, as I said, kind of on a mission to become responsible designers and really examine what does that mean and deconstruct that and then try to basically build a coherent set of tools and methods and beliefs uh, about what that means. And 
you've seen in my conversation today, we've kind of sprawled all over the place. We're talking about climate change and Black Lives Matter and social media. And the, the set of problems we're facing are so kind of complex in many ways. It can feel a little bit hard to be making any progress. <laughs> yeah. Competitions, right? You're just sort of like flailing around a little bit. Now, I have to say, when we get engaged in the design of a thing, it all, the rubber meets the road. And we, we really are able to ask ourselves precise ethical questions. But I have to say, it's been a difficult path to be on. We felt like pioneers here, which is mm. a little bit like looking for others in the community who are doing great work. And there are huge numbers of people emerging with little bits of kind of help that have, we've pieced together into a kind of network of tools. But it's been, I have to say, it's, it's sort of foggy, right? Uh, yeah. You feel like a pioneer. It's kind of like, it's it's not super clear where you're going and sometimes hard to see the progress, you know, in terms of measurable gains. So it's, it's sometimes a little bit disheartening. We still run across the old school tech community from time to time, or the business community where they're just not aware of any of this discourse. And, sure. and you're just kind of like, wow, where, where, what world are you in? Yeah, are you under a rock right I'm now? In a very different place. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you find yourself kind of having to explain sort of like well understood to be significant challenges or problems. And, 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 and you're just sort of like speaking to the void a little bit. You have to keep your um, focus on long-term change. Nothing, nothing changes quickly and you know, impact. I mean, well, there are these moments in society where there are kind of tipping points where you get these sort of sudden changes, I think, that, that are quite encouraging. But from the span of one's career, I mean, we're talking about, as you said, decades-long change here and not sort of like overnight fixing of, you know, clear problems. Um, well, for those that want to be on the leading edge of this and could possibly work with you, where's the best place to get in contact to find everything that you guys are about? Yeah, well, www.artifactgroup.com is our website. We're part of something called All Tech is Human, which is a effort out of New York, which is all about bringing together a community of responsible innovators. All Tech is Human.org is a great resource for the community at large. But you can find me personally. I write for Forbes on responsible design. Uh, so you can look me up on the Forbes website as Robert Gerling and see a bunch of articles I've written on responsible design over the last year or so. Reach out and, and uh, let's connect because we are trying to build a network and of, of people, of like-minded people who are trying to make responsible innovation a reality for corporate America. Love that. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for coming on the show today and sharing everything that you have. Thank you, Brandon. It was, it was great talking to you. That was Rob Gerling, co-founder and CEO of Artifact. As a reminder, if you want to hear some more inspiring and purpose-driven founders just like Rob, then subscribe to the Evolve podcast right now. It takes only 15 seconds, and in return, you will hear a variety of social impact founders, visionary leaders, and social enterprise experts as they share how they built startups that are solving the world's greatest challenges. So take out your phone and hit the subscribe button on your podcast app now. Thank you for listening and joining the Evolution Revolution. If this episode was impactful for you, then share it with a friend, because pushing the world to evolve takes more than just you or I. Until next time, my friends, keep evolving. Keep evolving.